You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here is your host, Khalil Dumas. What's going on, Unstucked fam? If you're loving the podcast, be sure to visit unstuck.com for more resources, ways to work one-on-one with me and my company, Unstucked, as well as our free Unstucked guide to help you get unstuck in your career, life, finances, and business. I'm so happy you're here for the ride, and now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I'm joined by my colleague and friend, Marie McCool. Marie is on the U.S. Women's National Team while also having a full-time job as a healthcare executive. I'm so excited for today's conversation. Hey, Marie. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, me too. So just for some background, I started a new role about a month ago, and I met Marie. I thought she was so cool, had such a unique story. So I want to dive straight in. So Marie, tell us your story and how did you become a member of the U.S. Women's National Team? Yeah, of course. So I am from um, a small town in New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, about 15 minutes outside. So huge Philly sports fan. And I grew up in Morristown, New Jersey. My whole life, I've been a huge sports fan. Loved the North Carolina Tar Heels, every single Philly professional sports team. And I was just like a very active child. I always wanted to go outside and play. I never wanted to sit still and be inside. And I think that's really what drew me in to the career path that I decided to take. And so growing up, just being active and playing sports my entire life, I had a dream to receive a scholarship and be a Division I athlete. I played soccer, basketball, lacrosse, and was very driven and always wanted to, you know, work towards that ultimate goal of competing at the highest level I could. So I fell in love with lacrosse in third grade when my parents got me a lacrosse stick for Christmas. I had no idea what it was, but I went in the backyard. Um, My parents are from Philadelphia and lacrosse was like not a thing (laughs) where they grew up. So my dad went outside with a baseball glove because he didn't really know what he was doing. I mean, a lot of my friends' parents played lacrosse so they could teach them, but my dad had no idea. So he had a baseball glove and we had a catch and I instantly fell in love. And I played throughout my high school career. Um, I was very, very fortunate enough to attend Morristown High School, which was the number one public school in the nation for lacrosse. So being surrounded by so many awesome teammates really helped me and being able to, you know, have the opportunity to play for some of the best high school coaches in the nation. I'm super fortunate to have that opportunity. And I just remember, and I was a sophomore in high school and I started getting all of these recruiting calls from Duke, North Carolina, Maryland, Notre Dame. And I just had no idea that I was good enough to play at that level. I know I knew I always wanted to, but it was kind of like an eye-opener for me. That's kind of where my journey started in Morristown. And I went on all of these recruiting visits. And like I said earlier, UNC was a dream school of mine at a young age because of sports there and, and the history behind not only their male sports, but their female sports and their women's sports. So Mia Hamm and the women's soccer team. I mean, I was a soccer player at first. And so it just became a dream school of mine pretty early on. So as soon as I stepped on campus, I fell in love with it. And I visited a a few other schools. I mean, a few other, (laughs) nine to be exact, because my parents really wanted me to get like every 
type of school to visit all of the different types of school, Ivy Leagues, um, public schools, private schools, larger schools like Penn State, smaller schools like Loyola, because I was only 15. I was really young and I didn't even know what I wanted to do with my life at that point outside of lacrosse. All I knew was sports. So I ended up choosing North Carolina you know, that was another opportunity for me to be able to play with the best of the best and be coached by some of the best coaches in the country. And I think that my coaches at North Carolina really shaped me into being the best, not only player that I could be, but individual teammate, which ultimately landed me a spot on the U.S. Women's National Team right after my freshman year. So I competed on the U.S. Women's National Team. I was cut. I decided to come back for the World Cup year. I was cut from a 24-player roster, and the next year they were choosing an 18-player roster for the World Cup. So I was like, I mean, am I going to really make this team if they cut me from a 24-player roster? Like, what are the chances I'm actually going to make the 18-player roster? And I was at a period of time in my life where my friends were doing internships in the summer and figuring out what they wanted to do post-college. They were in investment banking and other financial institutions doing internships. So I was like, should I focus on that or do I give this another go? And I decided to follow my dreams. I always wanted to play on the national team and try out and I was able to make the team. So I competed in the 2017 World Cup, won two gold medals, played in the World Games too, which is something that you need to compete in in order for your sport to be recognized for the Olympics. So I know that was long, but that's really where my journey started as a lacrosse player and how I got to where I am today. The U.S. Women's National Team is the pinnacle of our sport. It's the highest that you can play. So I've been so lucky to be a part of that and a part of the growth of our sport. And I've just been enjoying it a lot. That's really cool. And I, I love that you know you have early roots in the sport and that you've continued to be consistent and focused in lacrosse. And I think that's something today, right, that a lot of the youth struggle with is staying consistent uh, and staying focused. And I laughed a little bit when you gave the story about, you know, your family not really knowing how to teach you lacrosse. Like, it's just kind of something you fell in love with. I can totally resonate with you. I chose track as a sport to become a D1 athlete. And, and most people are like, why would you choose a sport where you run all the time? Like, you know, and so, but you just like what you like. And once it captivates you, you just keep going. And so talk a little bit about like when you, you decided to kind of take a different path. You mentioned, right, your friends kind of were doing different things. Like, what was that experience like? What did it teach you? Were there any lessons that you learned by kind of taking that different path? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely challenging. I think from an outsider's perspective, kind of looking at my path and my career, it looks glamorous, right? Being a U.S. Women's National Team player and reaching the highest that you can for our sport. But there's not a ton of opportunity to be a professional athlete full-time for lacrosse. And I think it's something that women's sports in general are far behind men's. And it's it's great to see Women's soccer, for example, this past year and the progress that they're making and the progress, I mean, it's they deserve it, but we're still far from where we want to be. And lacrosse is even further behind. And so it was really tough because I didn't know what my future looked like. We don't get paid to play on the women's national team. I was like, do I need to try and get an internship after I graduate college, which not many companies provide those opportunities, right? Those internships are typically your junior year going into your senior summer. It was definitely tough, but I think what kept me going 
to answer your question was it was what I was passionate about. Lacrosse has been my life. Sports have been my life. And I don't know what I would do without them at this point in my life. And so I wanted to continue to do that. And not just lacrosse, but sport in general has provided me with memories and relationships that will last a lifetime. And I I wasn't ready to give that up. And so um, I wanted to continue to compete and have the opportunity to play as much as I could after I graduated from the University of North Carolina. And that's ultimately what kept me going. That's fantastic. And it's really cool, like the culmination of your story, because you kind of got the best of both worlds like today, right? And that's something that I wanted to talk to you about balancing your now nine to five with training, with still having those same pressures of performing at a high level. How do you do that? Is there certain things that you do in your day to ensure that, right, you have time to train, you have time to perform? And also tell us, how did that situation come about? Because it seems like a very unique situation. It's definitely a unique situation. And I'm very lucky, I think. My time after, I would say towards the end of my senior year at UNC into that summer after graduation, it was really tough for me. When I look at like my entire life and adversity and the things that I face, like I think about that period of time because like I said earlier, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Do I need to focus on a career and life after sports or do I continue to do what I love? I was lucky to meet someone, you know him, his name is Richard. Shout out, Richard. Yeah, shout out to Richard. He's going to love that when he listens to this, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember I was so nervous for this interview, and I had been applying to a lot of jobs. And a week before I interviewed with Richard, I interviewed for a medical device company, a very well-known one, and they were not happy that I played lacrosse. And they were like, you can't work here if you're going to continue to play on the national team. And so I was heartbroken because... Obviously, I wanted that job, but I also was like, is this how every company is going to be that I'm interviewing with? And I have a teammate on the U.S. Women's National Team who was a VP at Bank of America. So I knew it was possible. And so I was optimistic about it, but I was very nervous and not having any professional experience within what we would call in college the real world made me nervous, not having those internships. So I was like shaking when I met Richard. And I remember at the end of the interview when I told him about my lacrosse and like, is this something that I would be able to do if if I were to be offered this position? And he was like, Marie, I'm just letting you know, like you need to hold on to lacrosse as long as you can, because as soon as you give that up, you're going to regret it. So you need to play as long as you can, like something you're passionate about, just do it. Like we will make it work. And I was just like instantly so relieved because I was a 21-year-old who had no idea what I was doing. And so to hear that was just, I was very excited to hear that. And I ended up accepting the job. And that's kind of how my career after college started with working a nine-to-five and also balancing lacrosse. So I'm, I'm not in that position anymore, but I am in a new position and I still have that flexibility. And I, I just think that my message to people who want to do that is don't be afraid to have those tough conversations. I think I didn't really realize like my value at the time because I was so new to all of this. And like, again, my identity was sports, like it wasn't corporate. (laughs) And so I think it's just understand your value and also like you should be able to have those conversations with your mentors and with your colleagues and the people 
that you work with. And I think just the amount of respect that I received from my colleagues is just so overwhelming and something that I never would have imagined five years ago when I was in that position. And it's just something I'm super fortunate for. And now I know moving forward in my life and in my career, like one of the most important things is just being able to be open about these things with your colleagues and having that like mutual trust. And that's something that I immediately felt and that I always tell people who ask me for advice when they're interviewing or when they're looking for a new job is like culture is so important. And that's just the biggest thing that I look for. And and that's something that I'm just so fortunate to have in my current position. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I had the pleasure of having you interview me. And that was actually one of the big selling points is when they let me know that you have that balance. Because I personally have a business outside of work and I've run into the same exact issues that you have. And it's something that I was stuck with for years. It was a big reason why I started this platform, which is kind of showing people that beginning and middle of just trying to figure out what it is that makes you light up and finding your purpose. And so, you know, when you talk about that first experience of an employer telling you like, you can't do this, I know a lot of youth who run into that situation and they assume that everyone's going to be that way. And to your point, I made a TikTok about this yesterday. Don't be afraid to have conversations that are going to change your life, right? And at the time, I don't think you realized even that you had to have that conversation. I think naturally, you were just passionate and you were like, I'm not giving this up. This is a non-negotiable. Still can scare the hell out of you, right? You can still be very timid and reluctant, but in your heart, you knew like, I'm not giving this up. So, you know, the message in the story, too, is like there are people out there like Richard. And so it's important to keep looking till you find people, right, that are going to empower you. And that's something that I tell all my mentees. Like when you're in a situation that's not for you, you know it. Your body knows it. Your family knows it. Everyone around you will know it. But when you're in a situation that you absolutely love, the same is true. It's so important to folks hear that message because you kind of got to try and figure it out. You're not going to strike gold on your first try, right? Your first job, right? You're going to have to keep looking for those leaders that align with you. And so that's such an important story. You know, again, that was a huge selling point for me to, for a leader that sees us as more than just an employee, right? We're actual people that have loves and desires and, and passions. And so companies today are starting to see that, right? There's this great resignation going on. And it's because of the things you're talking about, right? When we refuse to look at people uh, and where they stand in their lives and what they want to do, right, and balance that, right, people walk out the door in droves and it kind of built up over years, but now we're seeing it. The opposite's true as well, right? We're seeing the companies that are doing a really good job of helping employees balance grow like crazy, hence our company. So that was a really important point. And what some of the advice, you kind of gave some of it there, but for some of those young athletes that are looking to become professional athletes, like, What do you tell them? Because I know personally, I quit track my senior year because I knew I was like, this is not long term for me. You know, personally, I wish I would have ran longer, but I had a lot of that fear still. I wanted to get into that internship. I wanted to do it the right way. But like, what is some advice you tell young athletes that maybe want to play into their 20s? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you have to follow your heart and what you're passionate about. You know, I have teammates who after the last game and they played at North Carolina, we were national champions. We were ACC champions. We played at a very high level that haven't touched their stick since the last game. And that's okay. And then you have people like me and I do have teammates who still compete on the U S national team who still compete at the professional level. I really just think it's, you know, follow what you're passionate about, follow your dreams and never give up. And I think you also have to be, realistic with yourself. I mean, I think similar to the story that you just told, you stopped running track because I think you took a step back, it sounds like, and 
looked at the big picture. You wanted to follow your dreams and you wanted to do what you were passionate about and also, you know, be realistic about what that looks like in the future. And so I think that's another important aspect to it. But I think, you know, that would be my biggest advice for the young athletes out there that are are looking to go pro or, and maybe it's not even go pro, but have lacrosse involved in your life to some extent, no matter what it is. I think one thing that I always talk about, my pro season's really short. And so we don't train that much for us. I mean, this is a world cup year. So I have the world cup this summer. So we're training more than we typically do, but it's every four years. And so I'm always wondering how can I grow the game? Because that's another thing that, well, I'm very passionate about the sport of lacrosse and playing. I also, I just love growing the game and providing opportunities for young players out there to be able to learn from the best And I think lacrosse historically has been like more of an East Coast sport, but it is growing so quickly. And it's just so exciting to see. I went to a tournament in Dallas in November and all of these players came to our game. And after the game, they asked for autographs. And I always ask, where are you from? Typically, you hear Maryland, New Jersey, Boston. And this past tournament, I heard Alabama, San Francisco, Minnesota, Texas, all of these untraditional areas that you don't typically hear. And it was just so refreshing because it means that we're doing our job. We're providing exposure to that next generation. And I know I'm kind of going beyond your question on like what advice, but I think that my advice is there's other ways to get involved too with something that you're passionate about if it's not exactly playing at the pro level. So I think just looking at your options and understanding all of the different options that you have in order to continue to stay involved is also something that you can do and something that I did, not knowing what my future would be with professional lacrosse and with the U.S. team. Yeah, you said something super important, and I wish I would have listened to this when I was 22 because I remember there was a little bit of a sorrow. I kind of left track and didn't think about it. You know, I kind of just made the decision, powered forward, and a couple years later— a coach came to me and was like, hey, would you like to like help me coach some high schoolers? And I and immediately lit up, like went and got all my old workouts, like found all my old gear. Like I was right back to that happy me who really loved track. And it's to your point, like I didn't think about the other ways, right? I thought it was all or nothing because you're kind of in that mindset at the time, right? When you're ultra competitive, like it's all or nothing. And so that's such a great point. And I know there's someone that's going to listen to this that's going to reconsider and is going to think about the different opportunities that are in front of them to continue to do what they love. Because to your point, at the end of the day, that's super important. I wanted to pivot into more of just characteristics that, that make you a rock star, coming through and being so apparent. How do you handle not only like teammates, because I know that this is a thing, or even even your competitors, but teammates, coworkers that may not like you or even might go out of their way to knock you off balance. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously something that I've experienced my entire life growing up from honestly the youth age. And it's not even teammates, it's also parents. It's There's a lot of different people that could do that. And I think... At the end of the day, like I always follow this one phrase that my coach in college used to say, and it's very simple, but like control what you can control. Because the moment that you try to control things that you can't, that's where it gets difficult. So I can't control if a coworker likes me or not. Like they made up their mind. If they're trying to knock me off, like what I'm doing, that's totally out of my control. What I can control is my response to that. One thing I love doing and I think is one of my strengths is making relationships with people. And I love 
communicating. I'm, I'm not someone who likes to be alone. Like I just love communicating. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like having conversations with people and addressing things. And then also just focusing on like what I need to do in order to be successful. And so I think that's like the biggest thing. And I know that's kind of broad, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm being the best teammate that I can be. And if there's other people or outside factors that are trying to hinder that or trying to have a negative impact on that, like I need to take a step back, again, control what I control and continue to do what I need to do in order to be successful. I meant to be the best teammate, the best colleague, the best coworker that I can be. Absolutely. And that's key. And I wanted to circle, right? Control what you can control. I mean, even yesterday I was I'm working on booking a celebrity guest and I was with my wife last night and I was like reading her the questions that I was going to send. I was like, do you think this is good? Like, what do you think? Like, and right there, I was like feeling stuck a little bit because I was trying to anticipate someone else, right? I was trying to anticipate what how they're going to receive it, you know, and, and formulate it in a way that I felt would, would be good. But to your point, right? Like if I just put out what I think is good, right? And control what I can control, right? A lot of that angst goes away. And the same goes for really any example, right? If you try to go out of your way to make a coworker like you who may not like you, if you go out of your way to make a teammate who doesn't like you, like you, like we've all learned those lessons, right? We've all maybe even been burned from those lessons. But that is such a simple, but yet such a powerful thing that if you really grasp it and understand it, it's not going to fly with everyone. Honestly, too, you have to be ready for that, right? You have to be ready for everyone not to like you. And I think that's something that, you know, especially youth, you know, coming up, that's something that's a tough lesson because everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to be heard. But the most important thing that I've heard is that you have to hear yourself and you have to be there for yourself at the end of the day, no matter what, in every situation. And it, and I can feel that on you. And I can, and I know that about myself, too, is like we're here for ourselves first and we do what we need to do to move forward. I mean, I also use it as a motivator, right? One of the biggest motivators for me is when people try to do that. And I'll compare it to sports. Like my coaches were always the hardest on me at a young age. I never knew why. And then as I started to like grow and also become a coach myself, I understood it was because the way I reacted to that constructive feedback or criticism was I used it as a motivator and I competed harder. I played harder. I became, I was a better leader from it. And that's why I always tell the people who I try to lead is take criticism or constructive feedback and turn it into a positive because like it's the best thing for you. If you're not hearing feedback, if you're not hearing criticism, then something is wrong. Right. And I think it's the best way to like flip something around and make a positive out of it and use it as a motivator. So I think that's the other thing that, you know, how I react to those situations that you outlined. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so true. And that was something that I struggled with through all sports because I was the same way. Like all my coaches were super hard on me. And I think a piece that's kind of left out is the intention of that. And I think I used to take it really personally because they were seeing things right that I wasn't. It's so true that, you know, when you're in that space and you're, and you're coaching youth too, like you start to see and learn like things about yourself. And so tell me a little bit about when you're in that coaching mode, like what are some of the things you've learned? Like, so it must be kind of like deja vu when you're in that spot. Like, are there things you've learned about yourself, like in that position as you coach others? Like, what are some of those things that pop out to you? There's definitely things that I learned about myself. And I think the biggest one is just like leadership in general. I think that as a player and as a captain of my team in college, it was my duty to be a leader and to do my best to, you know, lead the team to success. And 
win the national championship and, you know, manage relationships and honestly drama. Like a lot of things happen when you're on a team with 36, you know, other women. And from a coaching perspective, like what I learned about myself is honestly like, I more learned about what I didn't know when I was a player and what the coaches saw. I think that it really helped me like build those leadership skills and understand like why people do certain things that they do or why leaders react to certain situations in the way that they do or how to respond to certain situations. And I will tell you this, the sports world is very transferable to corporate. And so being a coach, honestly, I don't know if there's like a specific lesson that I can tell you, but I think it 100% absolutely has helped me in my nine to five in corporate world in terms of leadership because I do manage people. And so I kind of compare it to like when you're coaching players and I just learned certain things like how you should be communicating with your coworkers and how you should be teaching and providing that constructive criticism to people in order for them to benefit from it. I mean, something else that I learned is accountability, right? Like it is so important to hold people accountable. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day about how, you know, I feel like it's my duty to coach some of the people that I work with. And I have to have hard conversations to do that. And in college, when I was a player, it wasn't as easy because I was a little bit more immature. But as a coach, I learned how to do that with players. And so having those tough conversations at work, as hard as it is, like at the end of the day, I have to remember like I'm helping this person. I'm trying to do whatever it takes for them to be successful in the future that will ultimately help the team be successful in the future. So I think that's probably like a specific thing that I learned from being a coach and like kind of how to execute that. Absolutely. And I and I love that. And I circled constructive feedback because that was something that I struggled with coming up. I'll be honest, like I used to see it as a personal knock, right? Like, oh, I'm not prepared or I'm not being perfect. Because that's ultimately kind of what's fed to us coming up. Like being perfect is kind of what you aim for, what a lot of people aim for. And you quickly learn like that's not the way you aim for progress and growth over perfection, right? These are some of the hard lessons you have to learn. But to your point about coaching, you know, because I struggled with constructive feedback and because a typical coach typically yells at you or berates you or singles you out to kind of do that, you know, not all coaches will get on your level and talk to you and tell you what's right, what's wrong, what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. They tend to just reinforce what you're doing wrong a lot. And I think that actually can be very damaging to youth. And so like with my own leadership, right, because I can only control what I control, when I do give constructive feedback, I love to make it more of a conversation and I love to ask questions and I love to just kind of let them get it, let the, the person I'm talking to get it, as well as let them know of like everything they do well and my intention with pointing this thing out. And that's something that I see that's missing a lot. And I'll tell you, it really knocked my personal confidence down a few pegs. A lot of people, you know, who know me may not be able to tell because I, you know, and you're the same way, like we're very strong and like we try to show up and not let the things that are going on internally like infect us. But that's a huge thing that I took away was I'm going to coach people better. I'm going to be more well-rounded. I'm going to really show people what they do well. And then I'm going to sprinkle in things they can improve so they can be even better and tell them that I love them, tell them that I care, right? Like 
those were all the things that I missed from pretty much every coach coming up, you know, and that was ultimately too a little bit of why I walked away from the sport was I didn't love my coach 100%, you know, and I personally wasn't super invested, but I've come into situations now where I've mentored young athletes and I've been around coaches where I was like, man, if you were my coach, I would have been such a better athlete because you're able to communicate and that's such a key. And so, you know, you mentioned accountability, you mentioned constructive feedback, but all of it comes down to effective communication. Is there any tips that you can give about like how to effectively communicate? Is there anything that you do personally to get your message across so it's received? Yeah, that's a great question. And something I always say, honestly, is there's a difference between communicating a lot and effectively communicating. Because I think people think that they're great communicators because they do it a lot. But are you actually effectively doing it is the question. And so I think for me, preparation is key. And that is something that I've always been like that, but I've also learned a lot over the past few years from, you know, my leaders and mentors, how important that is. And so I like to make sure that I'm always preparing. And I think that that's what helps me effectively communicate. And you mentioned it, right? Like, it's not just saying like, oh, you need to be better at X, Y, Z. It's laying out like a foundation that people will understand, will take it, consume it, and then put action on it. Like that's how you have to approach it in order to make sure that you are effectively communicating, especially with your coworkers and um, other people that you might be managing or leading. It's here are all of the things that you're doing a great job at and then talk through, here are some areas of improvement. And then let's talk about how are we going to execute on that? And what can we do together in order to find solutions and just be more successful in the future because I think we're doing great right now. But imagine if we implement all of these new strategies or, or new things or new processes or areas of improvements, how much better we can be in the future. And so that's how I approach it. I think that there's definitely other ways that you can approach it. I think that everyone has their own unique way of communicating and that's what makes us as people unique. Um, and I think you need that because then we just grow with each other and learn from each other. But I personally, that's the approach that I take is just preparation and making sure that you have a foundation before you just call someone and just talk about a bunch of things and then hang up the phone and they have really no idea what you just talked to them about or what the action item is from it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's key, you know, whether it's with clients, whether it's with even like parenting, I'm not even a parent yet. And these are some of the things that even my own parents talk to me about, like your ability to really, like you said, give a well-rounded answer as to why uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. When you're feeling stuck, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people go through, it's a human condition at this point. Again, I create a whole brand around it because I care so much about getting people unstuck because I think it wastes years. And I'm just speaking from personal experience. I didn't have all the mechanisms to move myself forward when I wasn't feeling it, right? And mental health plays a a role in this as well. But when you're feeling stuck, whether that's, you know, paralysis by analysis, whether that's you have too many tasks going on or you're just not feeling it, like how do you get yourself going again? Are there certain things you do uh, to get yourself unstuck? Yeah, I mean, I know I mentioned it earlier that probably like the lowest point in my life was end of senior year and summer after I graduated and like I was stuck. Like that is like the definition of stuck that you just described was me at that period of time in my life. And it happens, like, honestly, it it happens a lot. And I think that's normal. And that's just a part of life. And 
going back to controlling what you can control and how you respond to things is something you can control is is how I approach it. So like the way I like to respond to it, honestly, like sometimes I just like need, I love being outside and I love the water. And so like, I like just, and I love my dogs and taking them for walks and stuff. I like to just like try and take a step back. And my mind sometimes goes in a million places. I'm like, well, what if this happens? Like then this will happen. And I just worry too much about things that are way outside of my control. So I have to remember what I can control. And so those are some of the things that I do to try and think through it. But I think at the end of the day, like what exactly I do is follow your passion. I have to think about like, what are the things I'm passionate about in life? Okay. Passionate about sport. I'm passionate about growing the game and changing people's lives. I'm passionate about, and this is something I haven't brought up, but like, why did I decide to get in healthcare? Because I wanted to have a positive impact on people's lives. I I didn't think I wanted to get into nursing or be on the front line. And so I was trying to think of ways that I could do that. And so that's what brought me to being a healthcare executive. And that's why I am where I am today. And so that's what I do. And I, I just remind myself of that and why I do what I do. And if I'm not doing that, then that's when I need to start to reevaluate and kind of see if there's a different path that I need to be taking. And that's what happened to me when I wanted to leave my previous role. I had to do that. And luckily, I I found the role that I'm in now. And honestly, I did not think that I was going to be in this role for more than a year. And I've been in it for over a year and a half now. And I'm so happy. And it's because I, I followed my heart and, and what I knew I wanted to do, which was impact people's lives. So that's my approach for when I'm feeling stuck. I love that. And, it's, and I love asking that question. And I ask it to every guest because everyone gives their own flavor. Everyone has something slightly different. And I learn something every single time. And I know our listeners do as well. I love to give as the last kind of you know question or just last topic here. Is there anything in general that you would just want to share with listeners as we've talked about? Or is there anything that you want to say to youth that are looking to transition into the real world? Like, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I would say whether you're a young athlete or just anyone, something that I always love to tell some the players that I coach, um, the youth players is be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that that's something that's really gotten me to where I am today, whether it's in sport or in life. So, you know, in sport, if you're not taking risks, if you're not doing things that feel uncomfortable to you, you're not getting better, right? You need to fail in order to be successful. So like, honestly, using my left hand as my non-dominant hand lacrosse is not always comfortable, but if I never practice it, and feel uncomfortable doing it, how am I going to get better? And I think it really translates into life in general. You know, I talked about having those uncomfortable conversations with people who are going to be your leaders and really understanding, you know, how they're going to react and, you know, being able to have those conversations. Like I wouldn't be standing here today if I didn't do that. And so I think there's just so many different scenarios in your life where you're not going to feel comfortable. But if you're able to persevere through that and have those moments where you have uncomfortable conversations or you do things that aren't, you know, typically normal for you. I think it's really going to help you be successful in whatever you choose to do, whether it's sport, life, work, anything. Well, I think that's a great place to leave off. Marie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, If you want to connect with Marie, give her a follow at Marie McCool4 on Instagram and give her a follow as well on LinkedIn at Marie McCool. Thanks, Marie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked Podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstucked.